Welcome to Locked On 49ers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Brian Peacock here with you once again on a Tuesday episode. It's a tampering Tuesday mailbag. Uh, not as much tampering as expected. So kind of started with a whimper here with the first legal tampering day on Monday throughout the NFL. A lot of teams and players filling each other out is what it looks like uh, this first tampering day was. It might ramp up for day two, and that's going to be a Winky Wednesday podcast, so keep those mailbag questions coming either via email, LockedOn49ers at Gmail, or on Twitter, at BD Peacock. And I do want to pause for a second to thank everybody who continues to bring questions in and, and keep the conversation going here on LockedOn49ers. I, I really like to bring guests on and talk with the, you know, with the listeners, so it's not just me and my big ideas, you know, every day here. Uh, this is your show too, so that's what this is all about. So uh, thanks to everybody who's uh, rating and reviewing on iTunes. I'm still seeing those, and I appreciate all those uh, ratings. They're all very good ratings, so uh, much appreciation to all the listeners out there that get involved, and those of you that aren't involved and just listen every day, because I see those numbers too, so I know there's a lot of you out there as well. By the way, you can subscribe or rate and review at iTunes. We're also on Spotify. We are everywhere you can find podcasts, Google Play, and uh, iHeartRadio. We're everywhere. So where do we begin? Let's start with John Lynch. And John Lynch uh, talked about how the thing went down with Richard Sherman, and there was a lot of talk about Aqib Tlaib and that there was a trade that happened, and, and this is how it went down in the words of 49ers GM John Lynch. Yeah, so we, we worked aggressively to try to come to a deal with Denver. We did. We came to an agreement with Denver. And then it became apparent quite uh, quickly, you know, as you, when you're traded, it, it can be a surprise. And I think for Akib, he was kind of taken aback. Um, it wasn't that he didn't want to be a 49er. It's that he didn't want to be traded. And if, if he was traded, he wanted to be a couple places. And so could we have played hardball? Yeah, he was, you know, at, at that point we had executed a trade. But, you know, we're about people who want to be here. And uh, we've got great respect for Akib. And we still do. Um, just didn't work out. So instead, we took it back to John, uh, John Elway and I and just had a conversation and said, look, go back out to the market. We're not going to execute this thing and finish it. And um, then, you know, I've always been a believer that things work out for a reason. And when Richard Sherman uh, became available, I said, maybe here's our reason. And uh, fortunately, we were able to get that done. And I think around the league, players and other GMs talking in trade um, agents got to appreciate how straightforward John Lynch is and especially reporters because it's I mean we've been talking about it for a full year now how different the uh, Trent Balky era was and now has switched over to the John Lynch era and it's just it couldn't be any more different at the top all the way down uh, in this organization so uh, I love when he speaks and he's straight up about things he's like yeah we had a trade agreed upon uh, didn't work out we told him okay you know we, we don't want to force Akib Tlaib to come play here if he doesn't want to play, and it ended up with, well, maybe they ended up getting a better player. They don't have to give up a draft pick, that's for sure. Uh, I think the contract works well for both sides, and Richard Sherman, a 49er, still doesn't seem real. <laughs> Keep talking about how odd it feels that Richard Sherman is a 49er now, and uh, he's he's kind of had to combat some people on Twitter. It didn't have to, but for some reason, Richard Sherman's on Twitter, and he's defending himself. And uh, he had to go up against Joe Thomas, who said his ego got in the way with him trying to represent himself in free agency. And uh, this is what Richard Sermon said on Twitter to some of his haters from Seattle. He said, instead of getting upset with me for going to a new team, how about you get upset with the people who forced me to go? 
If one job fires you and another job offers you a great position, I highly doubt most people would go back to the old job for a lot less money. So that's where Richard Sherman is right now. And uh, some fans in Seattle burning his jerseys, and I'm sure giving him a lot of stuff. I, I'm sure it's that he went to the 49ers. It's not that he went to a new employer. Uh, I, I think Richard Sherman's smart enough to know that it's because he went to the rival 49ers is why fans are really upset. They wouldn't have cared if he went really anywhere else. Uh, this from Katie Dowd on Twitter. She said, the first of no doubt many Richard Sherman articles for me. Sherman says he's going to unblock 49ers fans he blocked during his Seahawks days, <laughs> which is really funny. Um, if I'm Sherman, dude, keep people blocked. If people are an a-hole, no matter what team they're rooting for on Twitter, don't unblock those people. But uh, I don't know. Some of you listeners might be the people that are blocked and potentially unblocked by Sherman. I think he's unblocking people that um, donate to his cause as well. Blanket coverage is, is the charity he works with. And so I think if you donate there, then he will unblock you. Uh, that might be how it works, which is a great idea. I like that a lot. Anyway, so let's move on to the free agency tampering period. Uh, the San Francisco 49ers... Two big announcements on Monday. They have signed backup punter Jeff Locke to a one-year deal. Uh, that is <laughs> yeah, probably not the signing everyone was hoping for. Uh, left-footed punter, I think, is the logic there. Bradley Pinion's still going to be the punter for the 49ers, but they want to have someone in camp that punts from the left side to give punt returners in, uh, on the practice field a chance to catch balls that are spinning in the other direction. I think that's the idea with bringing in Jeff Locke. Uh, and running back, Raheem Mostert has signed a one-year exclusive rights tender. So a special team demon and Raheem Mostert and backup running back. So he's back in the fold for 2018 with the 49ers. Good addition there. So those are the signings. How about some rumors involving the 49ers on this first day of tampering? They've been linked to Allen Robinson. That's been happening in the past days. This is Allen Robinson's quote from NFL Network. He said, Jacksonville knows what I can do. I'm there each and every day. They know what I bring to the table. It is what it is. That's behind me. Now I'm looking for the best place for me to go play. Again, that is a direct quote from Allen Robinson on the NFL Network on Monday. That does not sound like someone who thinks he's going to be back in Jacksonville, although the Jaguars say they're trying to also re-sign him. So he's looking for a new home. Uh, haven't heard much about anything really hot and heavy on him. He's got the ACL injury, so that means, uh, you know, he's one of those guys where this could take a while because he's got to talk to a lot of teams He's got to have a, a physical with any team that he signs with. And so that one might take a while. I don't think Allen Robinson is going to be a day one Wednesday signing because he's got to talk to more teams. Teams are going to have to talk to his people. They're going to have to figure out what kind of contingencies in his contract, whether it's a short-term deal or a long-term with outs in the contract because I don't see any team just going and signing some guy on the first day without giving him the physical, going through all that, and just giving him a, a guaranteed deal as if he didn't just have a full year uh, that he missed with an ACL injury. Andrew Norwell, the guard from the Panthers, who had been linked to the New York Giants uh, as a done deal, really, for a couple of weeks now from a Giants writer on Twitter, Art Stapleton. He said, quote, I'm told the Niners are pushing for Andrew Norwell, so we'll see if they or anyone else can push enough to bust up what speculated as seemingly unbreakable free agent pairing with the New York Giants. And uh, by most accounts, Andrew Norwell is the number one guard in the free agent market and will probably likely become the highest paid guard in the NFL. A little rich for my blood to be paying a guard that much money unless he is just so perfect, uh, but he's a really good player. And uh, he passes the eyeball test. He's graded out really well at Pro Football Focus. Uh, so maybe the 49ers. And, you know, we I've talked about on the show how it looks like 
if you're looking for clues, the 49ers are going to sign a guard. So that makes, I think it makes more sense than Allen Robinson, just judging by how the 49ers have operated and what they have on the roster and, and how they're going about things. But at the same time, oh man, that's a lot of money. So, uh, John Lynch, what about it? Are you going to sign one of these big name free agents? We're going to make sure that, uh, you know, we're, we're just not doing splashy names. We're getting guys that are really a great fit for the culture we've helped establish here in the first year and for a, a, a roster that we're going to continue to try to, to improve. And, you know, the, the ultimate goal is to compete for championships on a year-in, year-out basis. And uh, we got a lot, lot of work to do, but we, we feel like we're well on our way. So no splashy names, but that doesn't, he didn't say just to have a splashy name, but he didn't say he wasn't going to sign one of those players. So what does that mean exactly? It's very aggressively prudent kind of a statement from John Lynch where he's kind of playing both sides. To me, what I read from this is don't expect a bunch of major signings. You know, a dollar amount isn't always equal to production. So I wouldn't rule out a Robinson or a Norwell or one of the other top free agents around, uh, but certainly not both. I, I don't think the 49ers are going to spend big on two guys. They might spend on one of those players and then have some more budget free agents around them. Uh, and there are a lot of other players that could provide some value. One thing I really like about those two names, though, is that both players are relatively young. Uh, so they could be part of a young core for years on the 49ers. Robinson's still only 24 years old. He won't turn 25 until August. And Andrew Norwell is 26. He'll be 27 in, I think, October and early in the season. So both young players that can definitely play out a contract and not be old by the end of it. Remember back when Lynch and Shanahan took over? This is one reason why when you read between the lines and they've already spent some money in free agency, re-upping some of their own guys, Garoppolo being the hugest one, and then bringing in Richard Sherman. When Lynch and Shanahan took over, they said they wanted to draft their stars. And I don't. I think they're going to compete maybe a little bit sooner than they thought or as soon as they hoped they would be. And that might change things. They might ramp that up a little quicker. But when it comes to paying guards... Ideally, that position is not one of your highest paid players, but the offensive line is extremely important. And uh, signs point to them adding at least one free agent that can start at that position. So for those reasons, some of these names make sense, and we'll see if the numbers actually work out. Uh, when it comes to Robinson, if bidding gets out of hand, I doubt they stay in it. But rarely do talented young number one wide receivers reach the market. So uh, you're not doing your job to me if you don't at least check in and see if San Francisco is a place that Allen Robinson would want to come play. But there has to be an ACL discount there, whether that means a one-year bridge contract or less money on a long-term deal than you would expect to pay someone on that talent level, or a Parag special, which is the most likely, with outs and incentives as protection against him not getting back to full strength from that ACL injury. Uh, another name that I talked about very little here on the show, but one that makes sense because we talked about him in the context of him having that connection to someone on the staff, that being Kyle Shanahan from his days in Washington. This is from David Lombardi of The Athletic. Per source, 10 teams, including the 49ers, have expressed interest in Washington pass rusher Trent Murphy. Trent Murphy, he was a second-round pick out of Stanford in 2014. He has 15 career sacks. He had nine sacks in 2016, which is his best year, and then uh, got hurt. He's 27 years old, missed all of last season after tearing ACL and MCL in his left knee in the preseason. Uh, he served a four-game suspension as well for PED use while on injured reserve. So I don't know if that was he was kind of drugging himself up to try to get back from his injury sooner or if that's another issue. Um, so that's that's a couple of red flags there 
first of all, ACL and MCL, which is pretty severe injury, and then the PED suspension. Uh, Washington reportedly, though, working hard to bring him back, has offered him a contract. Kyle Shanahan connection, obviously, from Washington. He's 6'5", 260. He's a high-motor, blue-collar type edge rusher, not a supremely athletic, uh, you know, turn-the-corner type of a player. Uh, but he had a good start to his career and an interesting name there. Again, maybe an ACL discount with Trent Murphy and Kyle Shanahan. I, knowing that Trent Murphy is that high-motor, blue-collar type, went to Stanford, he's definitely a, a Kyle Shanahan John Lynch type of player, so I could see him uh, being a fit. As far as pure production and, and collecting sacks, I don't know if he would be better as a part-time player uh, coming off an injury than Elvis Dumerville would have been. And so it depends on how much money you have to pay Trent Murphy, in my opinion there. But that's a name that makes a lot of sense for the 49ers, especially with the need now at that position. And one more rumor with the 49ers. This is from a tweet by Sean Zobel, who is a reporter in the Minneapolis, Minnesota area. He says hearing that Vikings running back Jarek McKinnon is fielding offers in the 6 to $7 million a year range and is one of the more coveted players in free agency, 49ers are a team to watch. Uh, that seems like a lot of money to me for a guy who's going to be a third down back and more of a change of pace guy. Uh, he's a great fit. I like the player of, of, of all the free agent running backs. I, I don't know if he's necessarily the, the best, but I, I do like the fit there with Jarek McKinnon. Um, love the receiving ability and the athleticism. Uh, six to seven million a year, I think, is a lot for uh, for a running back. Um, yeah, I think draft a guy, use that money toward Allen Robinson. I think that would help your passing game more. Uh, there, there's just you can find those type of players in the draft. It's not worth spending a ton of money on. And with all these rumors, it it bears repeating. Uh, I've talked about it before. I, I don't know how much these are actual rumors or. Basically, every rumor you see has 49ers and Browns attached to it because they have a ton of cap space and they've they've been active. So part of it is, you know, how many people are you actually contacting? How many are you just putting out feelers? Okay, let's see how much this guy wants. Oh, six, seven million? Nah, not interested. But you talk to their agent, so their agent's like, hey, 49ers are in on it. Um, it's really hard to read between the lines in these reports, know what's real, what's not, what's just being floated out there, uh, trying to drum up interest and, and get better money for their client. Some of these rumors, it just seems like people are throwing out the 49ers just because they know they have a lot of cap space and they're thinking, ah, 49ers are, are going to be in on this. So I'm going to say, hey, look out for the 49ers. They could be a team to watch because they have a big cap space. And uh, Browns, you've seen a lot of that with too. It's hard to say once until you get that report that's like, okay, yeah, this is this is for real. These guys are in on it. And um, it's sometimes a thin line between reports that seem super legit and ones that are kind of questionable. So We'll find out, and we'll find out especially on Wednesday with a lot of these deals and maybe learn a little bit more tomorrow. All right, let's do it. Tampering Tuesday, mailbag. Let's start the mailbag with Nick from Facebook. He says, hey, Brian, I absolutely love your podcast. Thank you very much, Nick. Yours is the first podcast I look for in the morning, and I'm stoked about the follow-up on Richard Sherman signing. I'm curious if you think we will still be heavy on Tremaine Johnson or Butler if he was a target or if we could be going after Rashawn Melvin or another grouping of the corners available who don't yet have huge names. And uh, for bonus points, do you see us at all interested in Muhammad Wilkerson or perhaps target a trade with Philly? Keep it up, man. I love it. Uh, thanks for the question, Nick. I talked a little bit about the the, the cornerback stuff on Monday's show. Uh, just to reiterate, yeah, I think it definitely takes the 49ers out of any running for Tremaine Johnson or Butler or really any player that would expect to come in and, and be a starter in week one because the 49ers have that all taken care of now with Akella Witherspoon on one side, Richard Sherman on the other side, 
And so the, the only players the 49ers I think would add at cornerback is maybe depth across the board, uh, another nickel corner possibly, uh, maybe someone who could come in and play some safety, although they're set there with starters, I think, and then maybe a backup on the outside. Uh, I think they would probably go to the draft before spending any more money there, but maybe there is a budget signing to be had. I don't know how much money Rashawn Melvin's going to get, but if it's a, it's a cheap contract, then I'm all for doing something like that. But most likely, I think they're going to go in the draft to try to develop somebody behind Richard Sherman who's ready in a year or two uh, to be that guy and be the starter. Uh, what was the other question? Oh, Muhammad Wilkerson, no, not really a fit, just more of the same. They have a lot of uh, outside-in players already. Uh, I would be surprised if they spend the money there on Wilkerson. And uh, the trade with Philly is interesting because Vinny Curry, he's still, he makes too much money for a trade. He, he's got a big cap number, like 13 mil for the next three years. I think it's too much for who Vinny Curry is. Uh, he'd be a solid addition, though, at defensive end if he was cut. I could see the 49ers going after him in the free agent market. An interesting name that I heard someone bring up on Twitter is Brandon Graham. Now, if the if the Eagles were willing to trade Brandon Graham, who's in the last year of his contract, and they thought they weren't going to be able to sign him after next year and go forward, and they wanted to dangle him in trade, I think that would make more sense if you're talking about making a trade with Philadelphia. To Kevin on Twitter, how do you think the 49ers view PETA? Given the lack of pass rushers, Tank's possible release, and now declining Elvis Dumerville's contract, uh, it seems like the front office thinks more highly of Marsh and PETA than I originally thought. Uh, maybe more so Marsh, but PETA just hasn't shown anything. Whatever whatever PETA... Look, there's the 49ers had a really good draft last year. You're not going to hit on every pick every time. The fact that he got zero playing time, I think it's an uphill battle for PETA, and we'll see where he's at in year two, and maybe he's a part of the program next year, and maybe a big part. Maybe he develops into a stud. But late-round pick... Whatever he gives you as a bonus, you have to move on, not expecting much from PETA, in my opinion. Uh, Eli Harold, they're talking about maybe giving him some reps, but he's never been a pass rusher. For all his athletic ability, uh, he's a try-hard player. He's got a motor. He's pretty good at setting the edge on defense from that strong side linebacker spot. He's just never been able to get after the quarterback enough. He couldn't really do it for all his talent in college, and he's gotten to the quarterback even less since he's been in the NFL. So... They need to add somebody there, whether it's a high draft pick or a free agent or both. And so I expect them to continue adding there. Um, and maybe declining Doomerville's options because they really have something in mind and, and already have a plan and know what they're going to do there, whether it's in round one of the draft or free agency or possibly a trade. To Steven, which 2017 rookie are you most interested in watching this season? And who do you think will be the most improved? Oh, that's a good question, Steven. I'm hoping, I really want to see Reuben Foster play as many games as possible. I wanted to see him have a healthy full season and see how great he could be. And so he's going to have an abbreviated season, most likely. Uh, we still don't know exactly what's going to be with him. Hopefully it's only maybe two games or something like that, and he can come out, be healthy, and be studly for 14 games. But maybe he misses more like six games. Maybe he screws up again and he's not around at all. Uh, hopefully it's it's more of the... Uh, the first thing there, and he only misses a few games and comes out and is a stud because he's so fun to watch. And so Reuben Foster would be number one. I think that Akella Witherspoon working with Richard Sherman and seeing him develop, he developed so much in year one. We'll see if that continues and he can be a stud cornerback in the league or just maybe a dirty starter. We'll see how he turns out as a player, uh, but a player they expect to be a long-term starter. And so you hope he develops into that. So that'll be an interesting one. Uh, really, George Kittle, I think, is the one because I think a lot of draft nicks and people around the web, they'll give the 49ers a tight end in the draft or, or talk about um, even people talking about Jimmy Graham and the 49ers. 
George Kittle is going to be a long-term solid starter in the NFL. He's got athleticism. He can press the seam as a route runner. He's got good hands. He's a tough guy, and he's a good blocker, so he gives you a lot of everything. You don't have to take him off the field. I think you need depth. I think they like Garrett Selleck a lot, too, so I think that's your one-two next year. Uh, they could continue to draft and develop some guys, but I don't think they need to go high or go over the top of, of George Kittle. I, I want to see George Kittle be that starting NFL tight end in 2018. And, of course, the, the number three overall pick from last year, I'm still interested to see what how they use him. I hope they don't try to force him into the Leo spot. He's he's He was drafted to be the Michael Bennett strong side end run stuffer on early downs, gives you somewhat of like an interior type of rusher on third downs. That's what he is to me in the NFL. That's his best spot. I want him to leave him there and see him develop at that position. I think he can still be a very good player in the NFL. Let's go to Jesus on Twitter. While I'm still coming to terms with Sherman being a 49er and his effect on the defense, I feel you, Jesus, it's it's not easy to grasp, I think, for some fans. Uh, when you're really dug in against a player and now he's suddenly on your team, you know, it might take a while for some people, and that's okay. Uh, he says, how much influence will he have on Jimmy G and current future wide receiver play? No, I think that's a great point. Iron The whole iron sharpens iron thing, which is what you heard a lot of players talk about last training camp for the 49ers. Yeah, it can only help. Uh, the better players you go up against in practice every day, that's only going to help. Uh, I'm really interested in training camp, not even so much Jimmy Garoppolo, but that Pierre Garçon versus Richard Sherman, uh, that should, those are two intense, competitive guys. Uh, that's going to be a fun one to watch in training camp. Oh, I got one more on Facebook here. This is Andrew from Facebook. He says, love the podcast. Tune in every day on my drive to work. Keep up the good work. Thank you very much, Andrew. Two questions. All right, we'll give you two. Well, we'll see how good the first one is, and we'll go number two. Uh, one, would you prefer there being more or less quarterbacks drafted before the ninth pick? On one hand, more QBs allows you to get a blue chip guy we want. Minka, Quentin, Roquan, Tremaine will drop to us. On the other hand, less QBs makes our pick more appealing to teams wanting to trade up for QB. I think preferably you trade down. I think preferably you trade down, you still get a stud player, and you get a ton of picks, and you're able to continue to build your team that way. Um, with the exception of, I think the one guy is Bradley Chubb. I would love to see him fall just because he fits the need and he's such a stud player. I don't think he's going to get there because even if he falls farther enough to get to like, say number seven, I think Tampa is absolutely going to scoop him up at seven. So there's really no chance. I think Chubb gets to the 49ers. Uh, Quentin is so good. Roquan is so good. The 49ers could trade back and still get Roquan Smith. He's just undersized. And, and just judging by looking at draft media and how they're treating these players and seeing how boards are being stacked and Tremaine Edmonds is getting ranked ahead of Roquan Smith on almost all of these boards, the consensus now, which I think is crazy because Roquan is just flat out a better player, uh, but it's because of size. So, you know, one guy's taller, but the other guy's a better player. So I'll trade down. Roquan Smith might still be on the board a little bit later in the first round. So, um, and then of course, then there's Harold Landry, who would be one of the top targets. I think if you trade down, if the 49ers don't add a big time guard or offensive lineman, maybe someone like Connor Williams after a trade down too. So, Either way, the 49ers are set up really well at the ninth pick to either have some value there of a team wanting to trade up or a blue chip prospect falling to them at the ninth pick. And really the only downfall is if all those players are gone and nobody wants to pay up to come get your pick and then you're forced to do something. But but looking at the numbers, it's almost, I would be very surprised if so many players that are non-quarterbacks get drafted before the Niners and a team isn't willing to come up to that point because then it would only have to be like two quarterbacks that go in the top eight. And I just think it's going to be three or four at this point, just judging by 
uh, the way we're looking at things and how crazy teams can go for quarterbacks. Uh, but a lot of the trade action might happen in front of the 49ers. But again, that would just push a player back to them. Question number two. All right, yeah, question one was good enough, Andrew. Let's go to number two here. How would you rank the edge class? It appears there's a lot of buzz around Chubb's three cone. And there are great players in Landry, Davenport, and Key. And then he wants to shout out to the South Bay fans, Cupertino, California. <laughs> yeah, all right. Uh, shout out to Cupertino, all the listeners down there in the South Bay. Let's see, Landry, Davenport, and Key. Yeah, Chubb's three cone. I mean, he had a dynamite combine. The only number he didn't throw down a really great time was his three cone. And that's the change of direction number or one of them that, that judges a change of direction, your ability to, to turn the corner. Whereas Landry was off the charts in that. Chubb is still, you know, whatever. He had he had one bad time out of all of his workouts. And you watch him play on film, he gets to the quarterback, so it doesn't matter. He, he wins with a, a very, um, just a, a ton of different ways he can get to the quarterback. He wins with power. He does turn the corner at times. He goes through guys. Uh, he has multiple moves. He's got strong hands. And he just is nonstop. So I love that about Chubb. No problem. He's the number one edge by far. Uh, but Landry is the guy I really like. And he's undersized, so that's the reason he might fall a little bit toward the middle of the first round. I don't know if he'll get past number 14 in Green Bay. So if the 49ers move down too far, Landry might also be gone. And there's people talking about how they should take Landry at 9 anyways. And I wouldn't be completely shocked or upset by that. And then, again, it's sort of like the the Landry and Marcus Davenport conversation is similar to the Roquan and Tremaine Edmonds question. Because right now, Landry's a better player. Uh, Davenport has, though, that size and, and all the, the tantalizing attributes that you think, oh man, this guy could become great. But again, to me, number nine overall is too high for Davenport. He proved at the Senior Bowl he wasn't up to the task. Top 10 is, is too risky for me. Dropping down maybe, and Landry's gone too, and then Davenport's the, the pick, and you're hoping to develop that guy and develop all that raw talent, then that starts to make more sense. Arden Key, there's just too many red flags there. He would almost have to fall all the way to the second round for it to make sense, and I think he will fall out of round one just he showed up at 238 pounds, and then he was telling teams he was up to 280 at some point before last season. Then he left the team for a while. Many red flags there. I don't think the 49ers are going to mess around with Arden Key in round one, but there is some talent there to be harvested. Round two, Key is back in the conversation for me. Okay, where are we at with these questions? Let's go to Shane in the mailbag via email. Hey, Brian, big fan of the show. Been listening since your first episode. Thank you very much, Shane. I appreciate that. Wanted to see what you think of Mike Jacecki as a potential target in a trade-down situation. I know we have George Kittle, but a big red zone target like Jacecki could really help. Thanks for the email, Shane. Uh, Jacecki, I mentioned before how I'm I'm fine with George Kittle. I think he's a starting caliber tight end. Uh, he's a good receiver and a good blocker. And, and tight ends tend to make a big leap in year two and year three in the NFL. It's a hard position to come out and dominate in year one. So I, I love George Kittle. But Jacecki's a completely different animal. Jacecki's almost a, a tall wide receiver. You know, George Kittle's the inline guy who can move out a little bit. Jacecki, you would probably never even put him in line, at least to start his career, because he's not much of a blocker at all. He's basically just a long, tall, jump ball wide receiver. But he's got athleticism. He ran 4-5 of the combine. Uh, ridiculous numbers throughout. 42, 41-inch vertical. He's very Jimmy Graham-esque. His ability to go up and get the ball and go down the field. Uh, that would be an intriguing target. I'm not taking him in round one or anything like that. If he's still there on the board at 59, he's such a weapon, and you want a red zone weapon, he might be better than all the wide receivers in the draft as a red zone weapon with his ability and size to go up and get the ball. At that point, I have no problem with Mike Jacecki. Uh Then you're talking about a big slot receiver running two tight end stuff, um, maybe even just putting him out wide at wide receivers sometimes. You know, 
let Kyle Shanahan go crazy and, and devise some uh, some schemes and some ways to to utilize both George Kittle and Mike Jacecki. I wouldn't bet on Jacecki being a member of the 49ers, but if the value was there, uh, he's he's going to be a really good target in the NFL just with his athleticism and his ability to go up and get the ball. All right, that's going to do it for me today on this Tampering Tuesday mailbag edition of Locked On 49ers. Thanks, everybody, who got involved there. Keep those questions coming. Going to hit the mailbag again tomorrow with Nick, and hopefully there's more news to report and things heat up on day two of the tampering period before we head into Wednesday's full-on free agency opening up. And it uh, should be fun. I'm actually going to Lake Tahoe this weekend. So my Thursday show, and it might turn into a Friday show depending on where I'm at. I'm going to be at a remote location trying to record a podcast and checking in on all the news and stuff that happens on Wednesday as I travel up to go on vacation. Going to be watching a lot of college basketball and doing a little skiing. It's already raining here in San Francisco today, so it should be nice and snowy up there for me. Uh, but it's going to be a lot of fun. Going to hang out there, and I'll, I'll record an episode. I don't know where or when that's going to happen, so the Thursday episode is going to be dicey, but I'm sure there's going to be uh, a ton to talk about, and 49ers are going to make at least one signing, and we'll, and we'll see how big of a splash it is and see if, if John Lynch gets after one of those splashy names after all. All right, be back with you guys tomorrow on Winky Wednesday. Hit me up on Twitter at BD Peacock or email LockedOn49ers at Gmail. Talk to you then right here on Locked On 49ers.